Easter is just around the corner, and what better way to celebrate the spring season than with a Miki Couture blanket? Whether you're gathering with family for an Easter egg hunt or just enjoying a quiet day at home, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Easter festivities. Made with ultra-soft and luxurious materials, these blankets will keep you cozy and comfortable, while their stylish designs will add a touch of spring to your day. And with a wide range of colors and patterns to choose from, there's a Minky blanket for everyone. So this Easter, make your day even brighter with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket just in time for Easter. Happy Easter from Minky Couture. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Ink School Yard Podcast. I am Adam Weiner alongside Thomas Carinante checking in with you on a Monday, 2 o'clock Eastern time with a special guest to start the show right off the top. We've got MLB insider Robert Murray with us today at the top of the show to take you through his perspective on some of the latest rumors surrounding the Yankees. Or should we say non-rumors? Because we've heard that this team is interested in high-profile pitching, but who are those guys? Do they exist? Aren't all the high-profile options connected to other teams? We'll try to parse through all of this. Uh, thanks for joining me, as always, Thomas Carinante. Uh, but we're going to start right off the jump by just introing Robert. Robert, how you doing? Thank you for uh, joining us and sharing a little perspective. Uh, we've been talking to ourselves in circles for a while, so it's nice to have you here for a fresh voice. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm glad to be here. Uh, it's always nice doing a podcast with you, Adam. Thomas, always a pleasure. Good sir. You're the man, the myth, the legend himself. I'm here to try to dissect some of the stuff going on with the Yankees. I, As soon as Adam ended up asking me to come on the pod here, I was trying to get some more information uh, regarding the Yankees' plans and what their outlook might look like. And I am proud to report that I do have some information for you guys. So it oh. shall be very I am very, very here for this. Awesome. Uh, well, I mean, let's start at the most granular baseline level because uh, I hate to say it. Obviously, everyone's everyone's doing their best. Everyone's trying to report as best they can. But we can only hear that the Yankees are connected to the market or that Hal Steinbrenner is interested in exploring the high end market so many times before we're smacked back to reality of realizing, OK, well, that's who is that? Jesus Lazardo. That's expensive. Shane Beaver. Why haven't they already done that? Dylan Cease. Uh, it's really expensive too. Blake Snell, high variance. Jordan Montgomery wants to beat Rodon's money and wants to go back to Texas. What is going on? Which outcomes do you think are most likely? Which names are they actually sniffing around? And what makes Hal Steinbrenner still confident in landing that quote unquote impact name? Yeah, it's it's a really unique offseason. Like in terms of all the names that have been connected to the Yankees, I'll, I'll say like I don't think there's ever been a worse. Or- uh, offseason in terms of baseball reporting. It has been abysmal. We've seen the reports yesterday about Marcus Stroman being told no by the Yankees, and now apparently there's mutual interest. And um, <laughs> I would not get your hopes up at all for that one. I would be – like, I was told today, like, 
minimal, minimal, minimal chance that's going to happen. So um, would not look at a guy like a Marcus Stroman type. But that being said, if you look at some of the options here, I do think the Jordan Montgomery in Texas smoke is real. Um, but I don't – I'm not under the impression that anything is close there. So I think he's still on their radar, but they got it. I think it's probably ended up um, – I think it's more likely than not. Uh, actually, let me. I want to rephrase that. I, I think they'd be wise to keep their options open outside of Montgomery. And then if you end up looking at some of the other guys, a Dylan Cease trade makes a whole lot of sense. Um, that one could force teams to get creative because the price there is just so high. And if you're looking at a guy like Dylan Cease and you're the Yankees, do you try to get potentially a third team involved? That is something I don't think I've seen speculated on, at least publicly. Three-team deals are always really complicated, but I think a cease trade in the end could perhaps look like that is just my thinking. Um, I think Blake Snell, I don't necessarily know how much I buy that fit. That report um, seemed kind of like a plant more than anything. That's just me reading the tea leaves more than anything there, but I don't think that's going to end up being the case. I'm forgetting one. Uh, there's what what name? Oh, Jesus Lazardo. That is a name I have definitely heard linked to the Yankees. I think that one. Um, the, the the Marlins got a lot of nice young pitchers that they have, um, and they're listening on all of them besides Yuri Perez. Like they're not going to move Perez, but any other guy, I think they're going to end up listening on. And Lazardo, from whatever or from what I've gathered, is going to require um, at least one or two top 100 prospects because the Marlins really want to upgrade that part of their farm system and. I think that's going to be in the case. And do the Yankees give up that? That I'm not certain because that's a really high asking price. I don't think Jason Dominguez is someone they want to trade at all. But if they're not going to get one in free agency, then they would have to trade for one. And that could force them to get uncomfortable here. Yeah, man, we've been grappling with this for a while because um, you look at the fits being a little bit imperfect and you look at the prices being exceptionally high both in free agency and on the trade market obviously we'd want the yankees to go free agency because they have the money they could spend it it makes life easier they can keep all their prospects that's kind of the advantage of being in new york um but tell us is this lip service hal steinbrenner reportedly still confident the yankees are getting an impact name is this just to keep Yankees fans at bay because remember, I don't know if you remember last year when they said they weren't done after the Rodon signing and then they were very much done after the Rodon signing. So everybody was sitting there waiting for something else mm -hmm. to happen, never did. So why is there this reported internal confidence that something's going to happen, even though nothing is really developing? I, I think that's more of a state of the market than anything, just because the market's moving at a really, really, really slow pace. And if you look at, like everything that I've heard about the hitters is that the hitters are waiting for the pitching market to go. And if you look at the pitching market, a lot of the top guys here are represented by Scott Boris, who typically takes his time in free agency and waits out the market longer than any other agent. Cause he's, that's just how he operates. That's how he does business. And I think that's part of the reason why we've seen such inactivity as far as like the market as a whole, but also just with the Yankees in terms of their pitching search. And I do think, when it's all said and done, they do end up with a pitcher. I do think so. I don't believe this is lip service because I've talked to people who are involved. I talk to people around the league and they all say the same thing that the Yankees are involved in this. 
um, the Giants, the Angels, the I mean, the Dodgers. Obviously, they were involved at one point, um, and then they just ended up getting everyone. But um, the I, I don't like as I said, I don't believe this is lip service by the the front office. I don't believe it's lip service by the, the ownership. I think it's genuine. Just the prices are really high right now, and they don't want to end up overpaying for a guy and end up having like what happened with Carlos Rodon uh, happen again because that just that was awful. I mean, that just, that could not have been work. Um, that, that just did not work at all. And they want to make sure they get this right. They want to make sure they don't overpay and we'll see, we'll see who they end up with, but I'm, I feel decently confident they're going to end up getting someone. It's so tough because every name left, except for maybe Montgomery has that boom or bust potential, which is, you know, Hey, you could hit on one, but Brian Cashman's definitely in a place where he can't absorb that many more busts. So like a different GM taking a chance on Blake Snell. Oh, let's just overload him. You know, let's go 120 mil for four years or, or whatever. Um, Brian Cashman doesn't have a lot more strikes on his card before he runs out of time with the fan base. And I think Dylan Cease with the amount he'll cost in terms of prospect capital definitely qualifies again as someone who, if you hit it, you might have just tapped into a number two. You might save your rotation and stabilize it, but you might be trading for a guy who gets a lot of whiffs, gets a lot of swords, but still ends up with a four or five ERA. And you're like, why did we surrender Spencer Jones or Jason Dominguez or these pitchers they held on to in the Juan Soto trade? Has your gut feeling on Cease changed at all versus, you know, dealing him now versus holding him till the deadline or even holding him until next offseason until they get what they want? And uh, just an addendum there, too, if a team like the Yankees or a team gets involved in a three-team trade there, would offloading someone like Yoan Moncada help facilitate a deal? Or is this just, let's get the best prospects we possibly can, whether it's now or at the deadline or after the season? Yeah, my guess is it's probably just, let's get the best prospects we possibly can. I mean, maybe they can unload a Yoan Moncada deal. I Like, that's the thing is, I don't, who, like, who's going to, really be interested in Yohan Mankata at this point. I like I don't know. Um so just a I'm just really like how do I want to phrase this? By the way, Morgan Freeman vibes. I'll take that for sure. I'm hey, I'm always cool, cool as a cucumber. We love that. Uh just very we're, we're very calm today. That's always a good thing, I suppose. But it's going back to like your first yard podcast ever. Yeah. What's that? I said it's the calmest Yanks Go Yard podcast ever. As soon as you sign off, we're going to be screaming like mongrels. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you this. Maybe this can give you something to scream at. Who knows? But anyways, <laughs> um, Brian Cashman, like he entered this, like at the end of last year, like that, I don't know if a seat has ever been hotter. Like I don't, I've never anticipated him getting let go by any means, but there is a lot of just, there was a lot of pressure on him. And I think at this point, it's do or die for him. And that could end up really forcing him to go do something um, that he has not necessarily like he's, he's just got to do it. And I think he does. I think his situation calls for it because there's a huge need in the front or a a huge need for that front office to go out and get a starting pitcher. To me, I think they do it. I think they will. It just this off season, I've said it on the baseball insiders a ton, Adam, and you know, this, yeah. This is the offseason where patience is required. And I know New York is not the place for patience at all. Apparently, they like my calm, patient voice. Um, yeah, and like so apparently it's good ASMR. 
Um, I'm going to try to bring the patience here because this offseason requires it. I do think come January 12th or something along those lines, maybe a little bit later, is when we're going to start seeing that market activity start to heat up. And once that ends up happening, then I think we're going to get some clarity with the front off or with the front offices and and how they're going to operate this offseason. And then the pitching market might start to go. And then it can just be all hell breaks loose. I've already warned people around me that as soon as it starts going, that I'm going to end up being I'm going to be gone for like a week because it's just going to end up being uh, it's going to be crazy. I just don't know when it's going to be, but I am hopeful and I'm hopeful that it happens soon. But Brian Cashman, I can confidently say he is absolutely after a starting pitcher. New York, be patient. He's trying. Let him work. All right. Okay. We can live with that. Um, I'm going off script here because uh, before I ask my other question, because now we're on the topic of Cashman and everybody loves to discuss him. Um, you mentioned a hot-ish seat in terms of just like probably the public perception on what's been going yeah. on with um, the failed free agency signings. The Adam Adam and I like to say that he trades nothing for nothing. We'll just deal a bunch of prospects and get a middling major league talent in return that should have done better. Um, and it doesn't ever end up really biting the Yankees, but it never really improves them. So um, I guess I want the gauge on like, if you have any idea on the truthfulness behind like what, what it could like look like moving forward, if there is not a clear discernible change in New York in 2024 after now these big moves are made. Cause like you would, you would have to agree. They, they, they traded some high impact people in the Juan Soto deal um, there's probably another trade on the table, which we're thinking, which is my second part of this question. You have to think they're going to at least spend a little bit more money here, but like, are we talking, there's a situation where he'll get reassigned in the organization or there'll be a parting of the ways if, if things don't look that good in 2024. I think if it does not work out this, this year and they end up missing the playoffs, then that organization really has to consider yeah. making a change and i always what about, an early whenever, exit? what about an early exit al out in the alds on the alds mm -hmm. oh, boy that's tough if, yeah boy it depends on the scenario but i think at that point he probably comes back that's gonna be my guess okay. if they miss the playoffs altogether or have an early wild card um exit then yeah. i think okay. we can end up um that could end up being a case where he's gone and like, I always look at the Theo Epstein rule. You can't be at a place for more than a decade and because otherwise you're going to just get stale. You're going to get worn out. Your yeah. ideas aren't going to flow as much. He's been there for almost as long as I've been alive, and that is saying a lot. And really? he's done like he's a good he's done a good job. And to me, he's probably going to end up being like a Hall of Fame executive. I, I think that's not controversial to say. Um, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. Um, let's see if what the comments say here about that one. Um, <laughs> but like getting a fresh voice in there, if this, if this season does not work out, would not be the worst thing in the world. And to think the Yankees organization, how story that franchise is, they would have their pick at any candidate that they wanted. Cause that is a job that never comes open. And one thing that Cashman has been proved, uh, with being there so long is, that that ownership values stability and they've shown it with Cashman. They've shown it with Aaron Boone. Um, like they've shown it with a lot of these different people. And I think that is a really attractive job because there's not many places in baseball or in sports in general 
that afford you that patience. We've seen it. I mean, the only example that I can think of, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of others, but look at, uh, I mean, AJ Preller in, in, in San Diego, obviously been very patient. Howie Roseman in Philadelphia. He's been there through about three coaches, um, possibly four if they end up firing Nick Sirianni, which God, I'll tell you, as an Eagles fan, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll go from ASMR to pissed real quick. What the <laughs> hell is going on there? Um, but uh, that, the, what I'm trying to say is the um, is how patient those ownerships or that ownership group is and the stability and how much they just value, like letting their people do the thing that they, that they're hired to do is something that I think candidates will really, really, really like. They really have been. It's, it's been the polar opposite of the like classic George Steinbrenner reign. Uh, it's, it's really crazy. And the polar opposite of the Boston Red Sox too. Yeah. Um, we keep watching that evolve and, and develop as the years go by. I've got one more thing I want to touch on before we let you go, Thomas. I don't know if you have anything. I got else one more. Yeah. Great. All right. We both got one more. We'll have dueling wrap-up questions. But I think <laughs> mine, uh, mine, unfortunately, veers toward the area where no Yankee fans want to go. Because we know they need pitching. We know they're connected to these high-end starters. But we also know, hey, grabbing two guys from the bottom of the market might end up being the way that we go. We, for a long time, we were talking about Frankie Montas as a backup option. Like, we'll get a top-tier starter. We'll also get Frankie Montas. Don't even worry about it. And then he goes for $16 million, goes to Cincinnati instead. So the market's crazy. But there was certainly a point in the offseason where we were like, well, we're going to need two guys, one high end, one low end. So we're still looking at the low end market. My question is, are there any names that have been connected to the Yankees or that you think would be good fits that we haven't mentioned that are not in that top tier? Because I think Sean Manaya having a new sweeper and being interesting was probably the worst kept secret in baseball. Everybody knew that whoever signed Sean Mania was going to get a bunch of puff pieces written about him. Like, Hey, good idea. Like he might be good. And so the Mets got those puff pieces. He was really the only guy at the bottom of the market. So-called bottom that interested me, but I don't know if there's anybody else there that flags your interest or that you've heard the Yankees have had conversations with. No, I honestly, I, I can't say I've heard of any other guys that they've been connected to besides the top guys here. Uh, they did make an offer to Matas from what I understand, but I am under the impression it was quite a bit of ways yeah. um, from what uh, the Reds ended up give, giving him. And I'll tell you that deal was a shocker. I know there's no, like, there's no such thing as a bad one year deal, but that was, that was a lot of money. And it makes you wonder what exactly the Reds see. But to me, I would not have given him the 16 million. I think it was 16 million. Yeah. Um, that he ended up getting, and they could have used that in a different way, in my opinion, in a better way. But maybe they see something that we don't. I don't necessarily know. Like the only guy that I wonder. I mean, if they wanted, I mean, wh what do you guys think of this, James Paxton? Thoughts? My, I I wrote about this today. I examined the bottom of the market, and honestly, the only guys I came to the conclusion of like more than a shrug or a thumbs down were Paxton. I'm intrigued at the right price. Ryu, I guess, and, and Michael Lorenzen. Like, if we're looking at 110, 120 innings max. But, I mean, that's where the conversation gets tough because all three of those guys have way more lumps on them than even the guys at the top of the market who scare us. So, if you're looking to pay 15, 16, 17, 18 million, you might as well just pay 27 for Blake Snell or 30 for Blake Snell. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I think that Lorenzen could end up being – more affordable than people thought coming into the offseason. I wouldn't surprise me if he ended up getting a one-year deal. 
Um, And I don't know what the AAV would be there, but I can't see it being like 16 or whatever. Like The way that he was trending with the Tigers, he was looking at getting a strong multi-year deal. Then through the no-hitter with Philly, and then it looked like he was going to be one of the top starters in free agency. And then he just totally bottomed out. And we're even talking about his roster possibility for the playoffs. And it was a drastic fall for him. And I think another one-year deal, and it could is probably going to end up being what's in the cards. Could be. I'm telling you, he might be affordable. I, I, I like the player. I think there's upside for sure. Um, do wonder about his fit at Yankee Stadium, though. That I don't necessarily know, but um, he might be decently affordable. That's my impression, but I could be wrong. I like him. I was I wanted him at the trade deadline last year, but I know the price was fairly high. Um, yeah, and he ended up kind of fizzling out at the end of the year. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um... Uh, with the Phillies, so maybe that does help the price. Either way, I'm not concerned too much about price. I want the right guy here. And uh, call me crazy, it's my last question. Um, I don't think the Yankees rotation is necessarily in need of, you know, the best guy on the market. That's been my opinion since kind of the beginning of the offseason. Would it have been nice to have Yoshinobu Yamamoto? Absolutely. Take him on my team tomorrow. Would I sign Blake Snell tomorrow? I would. Would I bring Jordan Montgomery back? I absolutely would. But, um, you know, we've been identifying as many candidates as we possibly could. And I keep coming back to Shane Bieber. I know that he had some injury troubles here and there. Um, he's got one year left in Cleveland. There keep These conflicting reports keep coming out, whether he's being traded or not. And what, you know, the Guardians, I guess, are viewing as um, commensurate value in return. Um, or if they think they can contend in the AL Central. He's the guy I think is best for the Yankees. He's a ro- he's a rotation lengthener. He can go behind Rodon and Cole. I think Rodon's going to have a bounce back year, and quite frankly, I, I think it's it's necessary. Um, and then I think Clark Schmidt and Nestor Cortez in there are it's that's a good rotation. It's, it's better than most rotations out there. So um, I'm thinking a lower cost. You know, he's Bieber's not going to be a super high priced acquisition in his final year of arbitration, and I don't think it's going to take too much to get him because it's a one year rental. So What's been the buzz there, and and is that on the inside? Has that been deemed a fit for the Yankees at all? Like, do, do people view that as as a good match? People view that as a good match for sure. But I'll I'll, I'll give you two things on this. All offseason, I've heard different trade buzz surrounding Dylan Cease, Corbin yeah. Burns, Jesus Lazardo, but I have hardly heard a single thing about Shane Bieber from talking to teams, talking to agents, talking to players. Like it's been very little buzz there. Um, but let's say that he does get traded. Um, I am under the impression that he would be open to an extension. And that, I mean, could make him a more valuable commodity to any team who acquires him, but it also could get more in return for Cleveland via trade. 
And as far as the price for Bieber, don't necessarily know because um, he's kind of like he's a proven guy, but he's dealt with injury and his performance has kind of dipped in recent years. So it's a tricky evaluation. But as far as a one year guy, if we're looking at that, I think the Yankees would be a really good fit there. But I would not hold your breath on it just because there's been such little buzz. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on this, too. Let's say the Yankees miss out on these top starting pitchers and they decide to build a Super Bowl pen. What do you guys think? Good or bad? Yeah, it depends who they get. I mean, I think they got I don't think they could pay for a closer the way that they've the way that they've, you know, paid for relievers after Mariano Rivera. Like all the Chapman was good, but it was a lot of money for in the end, underwhelming production when you needed him most. And Zach Britton ended up being a sunk cost because of the injuries and his large, largely inability to to get the job done in, in the most highest of leverage spots. So um, I think the Yankees one advantage. The thing that I will not complain about with them is their ability to kind of build a bullpen from scratch and have it be no names. You know, they, they, they pluck all these guys off the trade market and off waivers um and they managed to make something of it so like are you or is that where you're gearing toward like getting a hater and a, a robert stevenson or something like that i don't necessarily know what that would look like but it's just one of the many possibilities you hear from rival teams of all like you ask what do you think the yankees could do and then that comes up as like hey that that would make sense and I mean, maybe they consider it, maybe they don't, but I know other teams think that the Yankees should at least consider it if they don't want to pay potentially 200 million bucks for Snell or even more than what they ended up paying for Rodon, but for Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hater shows up in my shopping cart. I'm not complaining, but I just know the way that the Yankees operate, looking at the budget for future years and and handicapping themselves, being like, ah, we already spent that, so we're not going to further. Like, I just, I need money in my free agency uh bank account for next off season so i definitely don't want them to be like yeah we would have gone to 300 mil on corbin burns but we paid 40 million for robert stevenson so i think we're <laughs> like, no no i didn't even know who robert stevenson was before last year um i'd be in favor of whatever they can, whatever they can do to improve the outlook of this team especially in such an important year but without kneecapping themselves going into next year's free agency where you have so many interesting pitchers hitting the market as well as Literally Juan Soto, who congrats is on your team for now, but needs to be on your team forever. No, exactly. And I'll I'll tell you, fascinating, fascinating offseason for the Yankees here. And it's on Brian Cashman to get this thing right. But man, if he doesn't, that fan base is gonna be turned up even more. It's like because here's another part that Thomas you mentioned before, and I thought it was I thought it was a really just a, an astute point is last year they promised to do more after getting Rodon, and they missed. They didn't do anything. You get yeah. Juan Soto. You can't stop there. Foot's got to be on the gas pedal. They got to – Cashman's – he's got to do it. And, uh, by the way, Clayton Beater, um, good shot there. That's There's a, a lot of people in baseball who really, really, really like him. And I like know he's been asked about in trades. Yeah, they're, they just have not been willing to give him up. Uh, they really, really? – they really like Beater. Um, I know, um, or they I'm maybe not willing to give him up is more is too strong, but like hesitant to give him up is probably the better phrasing. Um, but yeah, he's 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 an intriguing one for sure. I think he's a name for sure to keep an eye on here. 
I like Beater. We all like Chase Hampton. Yoenders Gomez, like the comments mentioned, just got an extra option for the year. So that could be huge. Uh, right now, they've got plenty of guys who I think could become the next Johnny Brito and Randy Vasquez, which is why they traded them. But it's about finding someone who can plug and play in that rotation right now and give you guaranteed MLB innings. Will Warren might be great next year. I, I am a big believer, but I do not want to see him in my opening day rotation in the five spot especially with so much uh, uncertainty elsewhere. <laughs> Robert, thank you for dropping by, giving us some truth, giving us some nuggets. And uh, you're right, it's a pivotal offseason for Brian Cashman, as was the deadline, as was the last offseason. But the foot has to be on the gas pedal now, and we will certainly have you back on the show if you're down to drop by as things further develop. Uh, thanks, man. This was, Thanks, uh, Robert. Awesome. We love Always. you, man. And, hey, I love uh, you guys too. Thank you for oh, thanks for having me. Also, thanks uh, everyone who supported the ASMR. We always appreciate you. And, uh, <laughs> and I was just yeah, gonna Adam, say, I'll see you. Yeah, if somebody, if you want to see uh, more of Robert and I, you have an opportunity uh, twice a week, but especially uh, literally an hour from now, you can hop onto the Baseball Insiders and see us talk about the remainder. You know, we'll probably talk a little bit of Marcus Stroman because he's coming up, but we're, we'll talk about the rest of baseball as well if you haven't gotten your fill yet. No, exactly. No, I'll tell you, I'm going to drink some coffee so I don't sound like Morgan Freeman because I am, I'm tired. I'm very tired. So apologies for that, but appreciate you guys having me on. Adam, I'll see you in an hour. Thomas, you're the man. I appreciate you guys as always. Take course, care, folks. Yes, Take sir. Care. We'll see Thank you at Zuatanejo. Awesome. That was Robert Murray, uh, baseball insider, more plugged in than me. Sometimes I share tidbits, but only because I know what he tells me. So, there you have it. Uh, not really dabbling with the bottom of the market, invalidating 1,100 words I just wrote today. Fuck me. <laughs> um, no. It, look, the bottom of the market's bad. Like, you're going to read that article and be like, I don't like any of those people either. And it's true. The whole article is basically like, ah, I hate everyone I put on this list. Um, but the top of the market, very interesting. Uh, look, if you can find a way to get Dylan Cease. If you can find a way to get Dylan Cease. And where you don't have to surrender Spencer Jones, you don't have to surrender Jason Dominguez, do it. Take a chance. We always get mad at Brian Cashman for not taking a chance. If they have to cash in Warren there, if they have to cash in Brock Selvage there, if they give Pereira Peraza, fine. Sure. Absolutely fine. But look, if, if you got to give Spencer Jones, you decide to do it. You decide, hey, the profile is too hit and miss. Like how many guys have looked like this guy in Major League Baseball? It's just Aaron Judge, Dave Winfield, and him. If you want to cut bait, stop developing that guy. Okay, fine. But the microscope's going to be on you, man. You better get Dylan Cease right. He better not give you a four and a half ERA. You better hope Jones doesn't pan out. Or you better hope if he does pan out that Cease becomes a number two, potentially number one, A, behind Garrett Cole, one A and one B. So uh, I wouldn't do it. But if the Yankees do do it, you better hope that it works out for both sides and the White Sox aren't dancing on your grave a little bit there as you struggle to harness Dylan Cease's nasty stuff. Cease could be Spencer Strider, right? He could be just a K monster who also is a top five Cy Young finisher most years and will give you 190 innings and 270 Ks and everyone's happy. Uh, but he also could be a guy who shows up on Pitching Ninja a lot and finishes the year with a 4.43 ERA and goes 12 and 10 and gives you 170 innings. And at the end of the year, you go, that was fine. But I don't know why I gave up what I gave up for that, for that. And uh, that's kind of my fear. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard with with what the prices are. And I guess I guess Robert's right. We got to be patient. Um, in the end, the trade market and free agency always materializes usually in in the right manner. 
I don't, I, a lot of these asking prices at, you know, the jump are seeing our team, seeing what they could get like that chatter about cease requiring three top 100 prospects. Like, I think that's a desperate white Sox team trying to get as much as they possibly can from an equally desperate contender. Um, and nobody has that. So yeah. like you want three top 100 prospects. They probably see what they can get from the Dodgers who have that. That's it though. It's yeah. just the Dodgers. Yeah. Like you're paying that price for Jesus Lazardo too. Like I, I Jesus Lazardo, three years of control, all-star level season last year. Didn't make the all-star team, but sure. Uh, you know how many times he topped hundred innings in a season last year? Went way over it. Year before, 100 and a third. So congrats to Jesus Lazardo for getting one out over 100 innings. But yeah. there are injury concerns there. There always have been. Um, and if, if that's a – I mean, that's what we keep talking about, right? It's the definition of a boomer bust. It could certainly boom. You could end up with 180 innings of top-tier left-handed pitching in the number two slot in your rotation, but also – another high variance lefty is what we want to surrender prospect capital for with Rodon yeah. and Nestor in there. Like I, I know it's not, it's too much to be like, give me a sure thing. Give me a sure thing. You know, I want 200 innings of, of ace caliber baseball. Yeah. So does everybody else. And um, there's just no easy way to get that. There's no easy way to guarantee anything. So I Montgomery doesn't have a high ceiling per se, but when you tell me like, Hey, you just put Jordan Montgomery on your team. He's your number three starter in a playoff series. He'll give you 180 innings. He'll be just fine. You know, 3.52 ERA. That that's the option I like the most, just because it's like I know exactly what that is. He's had Tommy John already. I know exactly what that is. But it seems like I can't have that. And it, you know, we talked about for a long time bad blood between the two sides. It doesn't even seem like it's a bad blood situation anymore. It just seems like he wants to go to Texas. Just won a World Series there. Why wouldn't he? And they're clearing money so that he can go there. So I think we're just waiting on, I don't know when that deal gets finalized, but it feels like we're just waiting on uh, a Texas thing there. And and that's okay. But uh, once that easy, comfortable chip is taken off my board, there's really nobody else that just makes me exhale. There's no one else where I'm just like, oh yeah, oof, what sweet relief. We got that guy. That guy is not out there. So we'll see. Yeah, no, a lot of these guys come with strings attached that don't make you the most comfortable, but um, I'm a Blake Snell guy. I got to agree with Roberto here. Um, it's you're getting at least 15 to 20 high leverage starts from him a year. That's really what the Yankees need, especially now that they've ostensibly fixed the offense with Juan Soto and Alex Verdugo. And now that they're going to sprinkle in their, their top prospect talent um, on the positional side of things responsibly, rather than, um, you know, throwing Oswaldo Cabrera all over the field or not really having a defined role for Oswald Peraza. Um, I think everybody stands to benefit by the addition. So if Snell's waiting for Montgomery, you see what Montgomery signs for, you see what the negotiating ploys on Scott Boris's end are for Snell. And I think that's the move because realistically, say you signed Snell, say Snell wants a six-year deal, right? You really only need three really good years from Snell and that's what you're going to be paying for anyway. So all it takes is a couple of deep, deep playoff runs and, performances that earn him his pinstripes and that contract is worth it. Um, and then you're talking about another left-hander, which kind of is insurance in the event Nestor Cortez is not healthy or in the event Carlos Rodon can't bounce back. Um, something's going to be a waste of money. There's always one thing that's a waste of money. This is where the Yankees, again, 
separate themselves from the pack. They spend, they keep their prospects. Everything is right in the world. This also gives them a little bit of a buffer with the guys who are coming up from AAA and AA, the pitchers who are very much factoring into the future plans, but need some time to get, you know, their bearings um, underneath them. So I think adding another guy like Blake Snell, where it's just money, you're not like, do you want to add a third team into a Dylan C's trade? I don't want to do that. I don't think Brian Cashman wants to do that. Imagine all the work that's going to take. Then you have to convince this other team to dump a top 100 prospect to Chicago because that's probably what it's going to entail. Mm -hmm. And then the Yankees are parting with maybe some major league talent there in addition to prospects. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it definitely looks and sounds more complicated than it needs to be. Again, Cease's career ERA is a full run and change higher than Snell's. Um, you want to complain about Snell's availability over the last few years? Fine, 128 innings in 2021 and 2022, which is kind of what um, I think irked the Padres a little bit. But he ended his career in San Diego with a 3.15 ERA and 83 starts. I, that's and and I understand San Diego in theory is not as high leverage as as being in New York, but guess what? Every single national story over the last few years a majority of them focus on the Padres because of what AJ Preller was doing, all the talent that was going in there. So in a sense, Snell has pitched under the bright lights. He has a ton of AL East experience. And if you want to talk about just being able to get on with the off season and then make other smaller trades that won't cost you as much signing Snell's the answer. I don't know what the contract looks like. I don't know what the Yankees want. Obviously you want it to be more short, short term, but that's not up to the team. That's up to the player to determine that. Um, I think that's the answer. That's that's my final answer. And then 1A is trade for Shane Bieber. Well, and then what? talk about pitching under pressure for Blake Snell. What's the number one uh, controversy in baseball? Uh, uh, you know, the number one most, like, controversial moment in baseball the past four years? Who's pulling, most... pulling Blake Snell from the middle of his dominant World oh, Series. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the, yeah. Best, the best World Series start that we have seen in the past – five fall classics truly was, was Blake Snell against the Dodgers in 2020 and Kevin Cash just being like, you're out, dude, you can't continue. Um, so has he done it on the biggest stage? Of course. The issue with Blake Snell isn't that you don't know if he can or cannot do it under the bright lights. The issue is that you're equally likely to get seven shutout innings with 12 K's as you are to get four innings, five runs in a big game. It has nothing to do with his preparedness. It's just kind of the variance that yeah. is baked into his existence. Uh, but the Yankees have done this in the past. Like they, they had James, James Paxson was their number two in 2019. He was the same thing. Like sometimes he'd go seven shutout with 10 strikeouts. Sometimes he'd go three and a third, seven hits, five earned runs. That just, that's kind of pitching. That's kind of how pitching usually goes. Yeah. Unless you're a Garrett Cole type or a Corbin Burns type. Corbin Burns is somebody that I really need on the New York Yankees next year. Yeah. I will pay, I will pay $250 million for Corbin Burns next off season, but I will not trade Jason Dominguez and Chase Hampton and Will Warren and Everson Pereira for one extra year of Corbin Burns who could walk enough of the rentals enough of trading Juan Soto I would I was fine trading anything anything to get him and they they gave up a pretty commensurate package for Juan Soto uh now that that's done I am no longer comfortable trading anything for anyone else left on the market so that's that Unless you want to build a team of, unless you want to build a team of rentals in 2024 of the year, then I guess go for it. Yeah. Um, not a realistic thing though. And then you deplete the farm system. But yeah, for me, again, you look at Snell's postseason numbers, even they're not the greatest, but 
3.33 ERA, 1.25 whip in 12 outings, 10 starts. Um, uh, it's just, it's, it's something that you can, I, I think to me, easily factor into the equation. Um, and again, like, like you said, like the, the extra year on some of these, the extra year on Dylan Cease is costing teams that much more, but for what reason? Simply because it's another cost-effective year. Sure. But guess what? That's a largely unproven commodity. He's had one really good season and then everything else around it is very much iffy or below average. Yeah. Snell's a known commodity, only costs money. This is this is what they got to do, in in my opinion. I don't know. Um, I, I take Montgomery back, but it's looking like Texas as as we continue to as we continue to see all the reports and everything developing around there. So it really is. Yeah. Uh, it feels like Texas for Montgomery, which is better than when it felt like Boston for Montgomery, uh, and it kind of feels like Boston for Shotai Managa right now, who like. People have concerns about his fastball. People have concerns about his fastball placement. People have concerns with his strategy of pitching up in the zone. Fenway Park, yeah, $100 million. I I don't know. And we're trading Masataka Yoshida now. I don't know. Um, but what I do know is that the Yankees are not in that market. The Yankees are probably out on Montgomery. The Yankees should be in on Snell. Uh, and another person of the Yankees uh, either – literally threw out of the club this week or have had mutual interest with for months. Marcus Stroman, I, we just have to talk about this. Absolutely. It, it feels like absolutely nothing. And Robert Murray on earlier did his best to throw cold water on this, said he'd be very, very surprised if the two sides found a fit. I'm not sure I've ever seen conflicting reports like this emerge 24 hours apart ever. And Robert also said worse offseason for baseball reporting. That yeah. he can remember. I would agree. It's been awful. There used to be one high-profile bomb would sort of sink a reporter. Every, there's been misinformation all around this offseason, not just Shohei Otani's plane. There's been all sorts of very obvious uh, agency leaks and agency-planted stories. Bob Nightingale put at the end. Bob Nightingale's had a good offseason, by the way. Like, he's revamped some Truly. of his reputational issues. He put in the bottom of his notes column yesterday that Marcus Stroman reached out to the Yankees and said, I am interested in pitching for you. And the Yankees declined to offer him a contract. Not that they didn't offer him a contract. They declined. Decline is final. As far as I'm concerned, it could just be a verbiage <laughs> problem. But when, you, when I say to you, uh, Thomas, I want to work for you. And you say, I decline. You are not, like, kicking it down the road. You're not saying, like, hey, uh, hold tight. It's not like haven't offered you a contract yet, but I might. It's basically no, flat no. Um, but then Nightingale said today, today, that the two sides have had mutual interest since November at the GM meetings. There's no way. Marcus Stroman deleted his anti-Yankee tweets this week, apparently. But ever since... They didn't acquire him in 2019 at the deadline when Brian Cashman said he didn't view him as a difference maker and he went to the Mets and may or may not have thrown a closed door tantrum in the Toronto clubhouse after learning he was going to the Mets and not the Yankees. He's been tweeting every time the Yankees have had a pitching failure like, well, that's what happens when you don't get a 1A, 1B situation behind Garrett Cole. That's what happens when you don't go after pitching Deb. Sheesh, this team's full of clowns or whatever over and over again. He likes tweets that are anti-Brian Cashman and the Yankees. He writes his own tweets that are anti-Brian Cashman and the Yankees. If you do that, <laughs> guess who's not going to come calling Brian Cashman and the Yankees? So I do not buy for one second that there's mutual interest here. Would I take Marcus Stroman on my roster? How many times have I asked that question this offseason with a name and then answered it like, of course I would. 
No, I would not. I would not take Marcus Stroman on my roster. I would hate this signing more than Alex Verdugo, which I hated. I would hate both. Yeah, I, I mean, we. I guess we're warming up to Verdugo because that's just merely the. Uh, I mean, we have reality. To. He's on reality. the team, and he's a better fit than Marcus Stroman. I don't like him at all, but he's a better fit than Marcus Stroman. Yeah, uh, Marcus Stroman. I mean, we've. Uh, that, that the last few years with all of that um, on top of him being a former division rival on top of him being a former Met um, it's, I, I don't see it happening. Um, this would reek of desperation from the Yankee side of, I guess, trying to get the perfect like profile of a pitcher with that price that they're looking for. Um, Stroman undoubtedly cheaper than Montgomery and Blake Snell. Um, and you'd have to think he'd be open to doing kind of what he did with the Cubs. I guess that was what a three-year deal with a player slash team option there, um, which would definitely more so fit the Yankees current window and their willingness to be financially uh, flexible on that. end, um, especially since you have to also throw in the potential for a Juan Soto contract after the season. Um, but yeah, this would, I mean, the, you want to talk about us being, uh, pessimistic about a Montgomery reunion because what happened there, obviously that was difficult to kind of uh, cope with for Montgomery in general, yeah. because that was just, that was, that was hard for the entire locker room. There were comments on that. Um, Montgomery himself got blindsided with the trade, the whole thing with his wife starting a residency in New York. And then Brian Cashman saying, you know, one of the most loyal homegrown products that the Yankees have had, in 25 years wasn't going to be making postseason starts for them in a year that they very much needed him making postseason starts for them. So like you thought that was bad. How about publicly Brian Cashman saying that Marcus Roman wouldn't be a difference maker on the 2019 Yankees. And I know, I knew where he was getting with that, but obviously like he always says things incorrectly. Um, the 2019 Yankees were a freaking wagon. Um, and but I, then they lost Domingo Herman in September, yeah. and by lost, yep. I mean Domingo Herman took himself off the roster, and they absolutely could have used Marcus Stroman. Sure. So that should have been the end of that. Last laugh, Marcus Stroman gets the laugh. Ha ha! Brian Cashman's got to have regrets. But then it continued for years and yeah. years and years, years and years of Twitter nonsense, and like again, that's a player who. And this is nothing against Marcus Stroman. I am all for players being outspoken on social media and having a good time. But um, New York market. Don't want that type of thing here. That's what everyone is. Everyone's talking about Trevor Bauer. Oh, give him a second chance. Bring him to New York. Really? You want him in New York? You want the media going through every last thing that he was involved in and then revisiting the story when something new pops up? You want the New York Post going through Marcus Stroman's tweets and Instagram stories that have any sort of controversy to them or have any uh, sort of, I guess, um, uh, cryptic meaning after a bad start or when the trade deadline's approaching, like, you know, that's going to happen. That's why nobody on the Yankees really has an active social media presence to that front. That's why the Yankees typically don't acquire louder personalities. Um, and I'm a fan of those guys, but the Yankees clearly have a very distinct profile in terms of who they're going to bring in of that caliber. And Marcus Stroman is on the other end of the spectrum in terms of what the Yankees are looking for. You throw in the beef with the organization, the public, the, the public spats between the GM and him. Um, and uh, it, it doesn't really put you in a comfortable position. And then you just talk Stroman's performance, like sure. Big game pitcher here and there, but like fizzles out most of the time down the stretch. Uh, not really, not really someone 
I'm interested in in terms of a home run signing in terms when you're looking at the full body of of the addition. So yeah, big pass here. Um, nothing against Stroman's abilities, just I, I don't think a fit for this team. He's a really good number four on mm. a team that could use a luxury. Like, and also it may be a number two, like the San Francisco Giants might view him as a number two. They're kind of desperate. Yeah. Like if, it, why wouldn't you seek out a team that could absolutely, no questions asked, be like, we believe in you. Uh, we know how to mess with your arsenal. We have a defined need at the top of our rotation. You'd be a great fit behind Logan Webb. Just, just go to a team like the Giants. Don't go sniffing around the Yankees. Don't try to rope them into your leverage game. You're not a good fit here. Um, and take everything we just said, by the way, and the only person further to the outside of the, you know, the inner circle of like good fit is Trevor Bauer, where he was like yeah. everyone in the comments. Like, luckily, most of our commenters typically are not swayed by that man. But uh, beef with you want organizational beefs, distractions, crimes. Uh, no thanks like those are the you know obviously what bauer you know there's a lot attached to that name yeah more, more so than stroman but those are definitely two guys I'm, I'm not even thinking about let's talk performance too you want to talk performance on bauer um yeah. he was really good for two years and barely two full years in major league baseball in terms of like what you would want in a top end starter um he wasn't a top 25 pitcher in japanese baseball this year um, and thinks he's a top 15 pitcher in MLB, which God bless the guy. You have that confidence and you're willing to say it out loud. Awesome. I don't have that. Um, and then uh, it, age, this is a, this is somebody who, what is he entering? 33 or four right now? Um, I mean, in terms of maturity, I think five, <laughs> six, but yeah, he's a uh, currently he's his age five he's season. About to turn, he's about to turn 33. He'll, he'll be 33 in a week and a half. Yeah, so this is his age 33 season, and then you're looking at guys like Snell and Montgomery who are entering age 30 and 31, and um, yeah, I know it's not the end-all, be-all, but when you're talking about getting the perfect acquisition, you look at Trevor Bauer's entire profile, uh, largely underwhelming, um, largely a character could take out, take out the, 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 the court stuff and, and the legal stuff that, that, that derailed his career even before that. Uh, played with a drone during the World Series with the Cleveland Indians at the time. Uh, pretty much affected their run. Um, threw that ball over the center field fence in Kansas City, which prompted Terry Francona to go straight to Cleveland's front office and say, fucking trade this guy right now. I don't want to deal with him ever again. Um, and then the spat with Garrett Cole. We already brought in Josh Donaldson. How'd that work out? When there was a public spat between Josh Donaldson and Garrett Cole. Uh, Trevor Bauer who claims to have a, I guess, a resurrected relationship with Cole after whatever had gone on in college. Um, either way, that's still a thing. And that's still, whether there are scars from that or not, there's too much of, of a past track record here that does not bode well for a future pairing. Um, and you have to keep all those things in mind because especially in New York, the mental game affects players much more than anything else. And the fact that the media will be armed with all of this upon his upon his hypothetical slash not happening arrival um would be a disaster for everything so just when when we're expressing patience here like robert said mr morgan freeman um we do have to be calm uh we do have to weigh everything um i think that there there is some validity in the yankees maybe pouncing and getting someone like snell and, and figuring that out as the market um materializes a little bit more but like you can't be jumping on a Marcus Stroman or Trevor Bauer right now. That would be that would be desperation, and that would be 
a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Every conversation about Trevor Bauer is the exact same. People just ask, oh, I'm just asking questions about him. And then you're like, all this awesome <laughs> stuff. And then the person who originally asked it is like, wasn't he innocent of the one thing I remember recently? And it's like, oh, buddy, you better read up on him because there's a lot yeah. more off-field stuff. And there's some Yankees-specific off-field stuff related to Garrett Cole, who you have to keep happy. Not even worth discussing, but obviously we did just discuss it for a couple of minutes and probably won't again until he lands somewhere, which I, I do believe that he will at some point, but we will see. Um, anything else we want to talk about before we sign off? I mean, the, the Yankees are being annoying. They're, they're not going to wear City Connect jerseys this year. This is just to basically uh, just, just a short segment to say. The one um, city that deserves it. Yeah, it'd be very cool. It, I, I think, uh, I don't know if you're weighing the potential, uh, you know, awful feeling if you saw a Yankee City Connect get unveiled and it's just hideous. Like it's just abjectly great. It's like a subway token or it's like a, the subway circles that say like, and why, why, or like it could just be brutally bad. And then you have, you know, you take the good with the bad. Uh, and then I guess you have to live with that, but the Yankees could use a very cool redesign. The Yankees could use some innovation here. Even just the spring training jerseys they wear on the road, the Navy blue with the silver lettering, that would be cool to see in a regular season game. Uh, but the traditionalists, I guess, won't go for it, and the Yankees are refusing to participate. Everybody else is getting a City Connect jersey. Yeah. Red Sox never lose in their yellow City Connect jersey, <laughs> by the way. Um, Boston, a pretty traditional franchise as well. They are embracing the deviation from normalcy. What if the Yankees were able to develop something actually cool? Call on The Knicks have called on Kith. They've partnered with Kith to design cool jerseys the past couple of years. Those have become rather popular, and also uh, yeah, the NBA Nike jerseys are different. But kind of disheartening that the Yankees just won't participate here. Of course, there is always the chance that you say yes, you get something you just hate, and then everyone has to grumble for like a full year about it. Yeah, look, I support them being involved here. I don't I don't like that quote from the report where it was like, quote, you don't mess with the pinstripes. It's like, yeah. shut the fuck up. Shut up. Um, just shut up. Shut uh, up. It's a jersey. It's a promotional jersey for people. Like, how many crazy Yankees hats have you seen? Would the Yankees ever wear this? Would yeah. they ever wear this? They would the never wear ones, this. The pink ones for Mother's Day. Yeah. Like, this would never on. be worn. Um the Yankees have the resources to pay the best designers to come up with the best merchandise. And what do the Yankees make most of their money on merchandise? Merch. I don't know why they're not involved in this. Uh, the players weekend stuff I get like that was silly. Um, and I know silly, you but they did it. It was silly, yeah. but they did it. Like yeah. if they could have opted, you think they didn't ask, Hey, can we opt out of this thing that says like, you know, these little league jerseys that say pickles on the back. You didn't think house time was like, can we please not wear these? And MLB was like, no, you must. They're like, all right, fine. Like they were MLB really acquiesced on this one. They were like, yeah, Yankees, you can be the only team, our number one flagship brand. You could be the only team that doesn't print new merchandise this year. Even that alone. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. And it's like, there's so many cool things you could do with New York because it is like the city. Um, I know some teams have botched it. Like people were laughing at Pittsburgh's last year. Cause it was just not good, but like, it was just the, nothing. the Yankees wouldn't do that. I mean, I would trust the Yankees hopefully to not do that. And I would trust whoever they hired to design these things um, to probably hit a home run because there is a lot to do with New York and there's a lot of ways to be creative with it. Um, it would be fun. I think it would sell pretty quickly and, and fly off the shelves, especially with everybody who's interested in alternate merch, but um, they're not going to do it. Don't mess with the pinstripes. All right. Just don't, don't do it or do it or keep pinstripes on your city connect Jersey. Just do something cool, uh, <laughs> but you're not going to do anything. Uh, anything else you want to get up your chest? I just, I feel like we did a good job today. There's been almost uh, truly, 
no developments. No. And since we lasted a show on Thursday. Like we Patience. Gotta, we Do some yoga, things. guys. A little yoga, deep breathing. Then we'll be where we need to be in a couple weeks, okay? Yeah. Because I'm bored. I mean, you put out a piece that's going to run tonight that's basically like, what did we learn from – the Yankees are involved in every update, but what did we learn from them being connected to Lozardo and Bieber? What did we learn from the price on cease being high? What did we learn from Aaron Judge posting a Blake Snell video on his All Rise Foundation Instagram? And then someone being like, Snell a Yankee? And Judge being like, wouldn't go that far. It's like, okay, well, then why did you stir the pot? And why are we – Why are we, we're just looking for something. We're desperate for something to talk about. Yeah. We are yappy dogs chirping at talking points right now because we're getting conflicting information or no information at all. And unfortunately, as Robert said, awful offseason for baseball reporting. So hopefully we get something concrete soon enough. You do wonder why the Dodgers are the only team that seems to be able to take advantage of the deferrals. That is interesting. You also Have you wondered yet why uh, Shohei Otani seems to be such a draw in L.A.? Like everybody wants to play with Shohei Otani. Why, nobody wanted to play with the Angels, though. Why, why didn't anybody mm. want to play with the Angels? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, we're going to keep trying to parse through everything and give you guys something to work with. We're doing our best. Is, isn't your best good enough? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Um, well, we appreciate everybody for rocking with us today. Uh, special thanks to Robert Murray for showing up. We'll definitely get him back when the offseason calls for it. Uh, hopefully we get some movement, maybe around the trade deadline as well. If you didn't get enough, Robert, we'll see you live on the Baseball Insiders at 3.30 Eastern just a half hour from now on the Baseball Insiders YouTube channel. But this channel is the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Thomas and I are here with and without our guests. We're going to work on some more guests for you coming up soon. Potentially some returning guests, potentially some repeat big names. Maybe we go live next time. Maybe we keep hiding them, you know, on the upload feed. We do some scheduled uploads. I don't know, but stay tuned. We're going to have some more guests as the season uh, goes on. Uh, appreciate everybody. Appreciate everyone more than you even know for showing up on a day when, again, we're all just snoozing through Marcus Stroman reports because we don't buy that for a second. Then Robert comes on and says, don't buy that for a second. We're like, great, we didn't. Like, I also <laughs> love Robert's a really nice guy. Uh, don't get your hopes up for Stroman. My hopes are up that we're not chasing Stroman. <laughs> and we can say that. He can't. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, no interest in Marcus Stroman at all. You can find us here 2 o'clock Eastern every Monday, Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner, Thomas Carinante. Where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes, the both of us, at FS. Also, the both of us, YanksGoYard.com. Plenty of content there. We're having a good time. Head on over. Read. Thank you all for the support. We will see you on Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, live again right here with more stuff. Hopefully real stuff. Hopefully better stuff. Thank more you. stuff. The St. Louis Cardinals just hired Heim Bloom. So that, wow. uh, that just happened. Interesting. Um, to be their number four starter? No, for a front office role. Um, well, hopefully we'll see how that develops over time. Maybe you can count the Cardinals out of the NL Central for the next decade. Um, but we'll catch you later in the week on Thursday, 2 o'clock Eastern, right here. Turn your notifications on. We will see you then. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.